reflected this week uh, on when I was a child. It's been 21 years since I, would you believe it or not, was ranked at the Order of Merit at the 2002 Australian Table Tennis Championship, under 16, number two in the country. 21 years later, I'm still getting applauded. It was a moment. It was a moment. I know you didn't know that. You're looking at an elite sportsman, but there you go. I was elite table tennis player, elite, for under 16s only. And, um, and I went into table tennis because you didn't have to be tall. Hey, hey. There was no way you had to sit on the bench. Let's go. And uh, they were the reasons why I went into it. But I remember 21 years ago, uh, it, it would have it had been uh, a supernatural thing. I, I had played uh, a lot of the sport growing up. And when I mean a lot of the sport, I mean Monday, go to school, catch the bus to the table tennis centre, play four hours, come home with mum after work. And I did that Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and four hours on Saturday morning. So I never did anything wrong as a child because I was playing table tennis the whole time. That was my childhood. I don't actually recommend it. Live a little bit. Um, you know, you spent my whole life in a shed when I think about it. The only benefit is low risk of sun cancer. That's amazing. But otherwise, interesting childhood. But I remember making uh, the, the national, the state team, and we're at the national championship, and what would happen, it's like a camp. You'd go away with your team, and you'd play a big round robin, and then eventually it would whittle its way down to two states, and then whittle its way down from two states playing off until eventually you're in a game where you were playing for the gold medal if you win. What had happened is I had done a lot of travel with the sport. My parents were unable to come. It was expensive. They really put the resources, which I'm grateful for, into allowing me to participate in that. And, um, but they weren't often there uh, other than local tournaments. And I remember still to this day playing the gold medal match. I'm being nervous. I turn around and there's a grandstand. It's packed like 15 people, massively, like, unbelievable, huge. You know, it's probably maybe a couple of hundred people there. And uh, in the middle of the grandstand, I see my parents. My dad had taken the day off work, grabbed my mum, got in a car, driven, got to the stadium, and when I turned around, they were present. They were there, they weren't distracted, they didn't miss the moment and it's crazy because they didn't do anything but arrive and 21 years later when I close my eyes, I can still see them in that moment. I can still see them being present, being there for me, they had made an effort and in that moment I realised I thank God for my parents that they were always on the ball when it came to loving me. Now, I look at our society and I look at the challenges that I face as a parent. Now, there is a lot of going on. There, there, there is a, a, a school system that, that is teaching things to our children that I believe are contrary to the truth in the Word of God. And as a parent, not only am I helping my children navigate what they believe, I'm also more distracted than I've ever been in my life. We are chronically in a situation of things having half of our attention. We're going to have a little bit of accountability in the room. I used to be so judgmental about this. Has anybody ever watched a movie while also being on their phone? Give me a wave. Give me a wave if you haven't. Let's applaud these people. Oh, you know, welcome, welcome. 
You're better than all of us, Darren. But us, the rest of us, we're chronically in this period of time where there is distraction available all of the time. Now, I know that as a father, that is not what I want to be. As a person, that is not what I want to be. You know, it's funny. I walk past young people hanging out together in person, and they're all on their phone. And I judge them, just a little bit. But then I go home, and I have this incredibly unique period of time as a father with young children, and my kids are mucking around, and I am watching ESPN Sports News on my phone. There's a distraction to what's going on in my world. Have you ever been on your mobile phone? Now, these devices are absolutely incredible. Really, what they do is is they've opened up the world to you've got your email, which is great. You've got phone calls, which is great. You can work from it, which is great. But it's also meant that we are constantly available to it. I still remember when I was younger, and I'm I'm in the world of pre-internet just you know, and then the internet arrival and then the dial-up internet, you know, we remember. And then the progression to phones that are like absolutely incredible. But because they're absolutely incredible, we're always available. So what happens with the absolute blessing of, of, of technology comes a discipline that we need to develop around being distracted. Because it's there, and it's always there, and it's a constant temptation. I have got a bucket at home, a basket. Uh, April picked a neat one. And I have been trying to train myself to put it in the basket between 5 and 7.30 p.m. The average Australian goes to their phone even at work every 12 minutes just to check in. So I find over the two and a half hours that I'm walking past the basket. Does anybody, you know what I mean? You're trying to be disciplined. I'm saying to the kids, you've got 45 minutes of screen time. And I'm like, hey, just check it, click, tap you know, walk away. Because what's happened is I've developed this habit and this need for distraction. I'm just trying to relate. I'm sure that there are people out there that would understand the loop of something you actually don't need. I've watched hours of YouTube on how to cook a steak. And I've said this, and the steaks I could never afford to buy. But what happens is something says, I need to watch. I've got my children in front of me live, having a great time, laughing, doing all of this stuff. And there I am on the couch trying to switch off my brain by doing things that don't build my family or myself. You know, the more and more research that comes out, we find that actually social media is affecting people's mental health. There are actually things that Facebook and Instagram have brought in to try and protect people from themselves because we can't stop scrolling. We keep returning to needless distraction. I begin to think about if we're constantly in a state of half focus, what does that mean for our spiritual life as a people? I can't put the phone down for my children but equally, I'm as just as distracted when I'm trying to come before the Lord. And what happens is we have these half engagements. Not only do we watch a movie half engaged, but we're like, oh, yeah, I pray. And listen, there's no judgment. We're all trying to grow closer to Jesus together. And I do all of these things that I'm mentioning. So please, for one minute, don't think there's any judgment coming from 
me. This is the reality that we have to navigate as a family together in our culture so that we grow closer to Jesus. But hey, I go, hey, I give up my time to pray while I'm driving the car. That's still not 100% focus given to Jesus. When was the last time, if you were to think about it, when's the last time you actually went to, you know, what they call the, the prayer closet, the place without distraction to get on your knees and seek God, his wisdom, and his plan. When's the last time? I, I, you don't need to say anything to anybody. I know for me, I realize that my prayer and my seeking uh, of God needs to be narrowed down into a place where I actually have undivided attention given to God. You know, currently, April and I are doing, um, which we're really enjoying, the Alpha Marriage Course. Have you ever done that? So give me a wave if you've ever done that. It is fun. And, and it, it, there's no crisis here. We, we, well, just so you're aware, if you haven't done it before, it's a good thing. It's like a, let's do this together, not a, help me, Jesus. It's like the other way. Um, and what happens is they talk about communication. They talk about, and I, and I think I shared this last week, um, there are five bad habits around communication that people can have in regards to, you know, stealing their story and making it your own. Um, you know, I can't remember the other four because I wasn't paying attention. It's a joke. It's a joke. But either way, I have all five things that you're not supposed to have. Because what happens is I'm constantly distracted. And I think I'm a product of our society. I don't think it's just me. I think it's us together. But I think there's an answer. And when I say I think, I know that there's an answer. It's your relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's a relationship with Jesus. I want to quickly turn in our Bibles. I know our time's almost gone. I will not take long. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, and I'll read it to you. It says this. Now, we've all heard this story. Jesus is traveling, and he's got friends that he loves. He he goes to their place. We know there's Mary, Martha, Lazarus. He, He loves them, and he's in the area, and Martha finds out he's coming, and she invites him over for dinner. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, it reads, and this is the NIV translation. Uh, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had to say. But Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answers. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen which is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Can I just get a quick check of hands, because I'm sure there are many people. Who here sometimes relates to Martha? Hey, she's trying to do a good thing. I've been there. I wonder if you've been there. I remember when my family came over uh, in February for my birthday, so I decided I wanted to cook. 
And I, I went all out. I got this little recipe that I like with the green sauce and I wanted to make smash burgers and I wanted to do a whole bunch of different things. And what happened is I started out with such joy inviting them into my home. But they kept eating and I kept cooking and I eventually got annoyed at them. But you know what I mean? It's like you're all having a wonderful time together without me and it's supposed to be about me. It's my birthday. And April's running around and now I'm getting annoyed that April's running around and I'm still cooking and they're eating and having a great time without me. It can happen. It can happen. Martha has invited Jesus over and what's happened is she has become distracted by all the preparations that needed to be made. Now, the principle that's going to emerge is that the actual uh, need for what she was doing may not necessarily have been needed. Now, we know what that's like when people come into our world and we want to bless them, so we end up not enjoying it because we've gone over the top with elaborate things to try and bless them to the point you don't enjoy the moment. I get it. That's our life. We add things in. We run after things. We add things to the plate. We, you know, a bit of extra study. Oh, oh, yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, the kids can sign up to this and they'll sign up to that and I want to bless them and they'll sign up to that. And all of a sudden you're running everywhere. Everything is getting half of your attention and you've become distracted from the initial relationships that you were there to actually try and bless and serve and love, distracted by all that needed to be done. Where on the other hand, in this scenario, you see the comparison made to Mary. It says in the scripture that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. You know that in Acts 22, uh, when Paul is sort of declaring his resume, he talked about that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. That's to do with the fact that I am in a submitted discipleship learning position to this person. So you have one person that is at the feet of Jesus, one person that is running around and becoming upset, and a principle begins to emerge. There are a few. I think the first thing is that the overarching arc of this message is that we need to be in a posture that is dependent on Jesus. That's what it's saying. A posture where you don't need anything peripheral, you don't need anything else, you need Jesus. In fact, in Psalm 27 verse 4, When you go to that in your Bibles, I want you to quickly turn there. I'm not sure if I put it on the screen. That scripture may be there. If you don't have my slides, it's because we didn't upload them potentially. Um, But we had them because I've seen them. But Psalm 27 verse 4. Look at Geordie Panic. Everyone run. Look at him go. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, The one thing I ask from the Lord, the one thing. This is only do I seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and and gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Isn't it very interesting that when Jesus is addressing Martha, he says, Martha, Martha, you're upset about many things, but few things are needed indeed, only one. Now, when you remember this in the context of Psalm 27 verse 4, One thing I ask, Lord, that I may dwell in your house, in your presence. It wasn't about the peripheries. It was about Jesus. 
We're caught up in a world that, that, that there's so much pressure on us. Hey, I've got to be better. I've got to be more disciplined. That's what, what we're really talking about. But what the reality actually comes back to, because of Jesus, you're already accepted. What you do really is about love and relationship. But what you've done, it doesn't matter. You're already accepted. That's what it says in Romans 15, 7. You're already accepted by Jesus. So it's not about earning. But yet we try to do these elaborate, these big, these rushed things in order uh, to do all. But really what's needed is the feet of Jesus. Where you put everything aside. Because if you think about it from a practical level, if you think about it, recently in our household, uh, and I'm blessed to have April and the wisdom that she has on her life, she is fighting for us to have dinner at the dinner table. Why? TV turns off, phone's in the basket. You know, I'm on the way to the table. We all know what I'm doing. I'm just checking quickly. But once we're at the table and we're around the table, what are we doing? We're facing one another. We're engaging one another. We're having conversation. We're having a moment of uh, connectedness. There are no boundaries. There are no distractions. In between us, we are eating and we are communing. But what happens when you don't have dinner at the table? What are you facing? The TV. A simple practical posture of, in this scripture, we understand Martha's not in the room because she comes into the room to complain. But Mary is at the feet of Jesus. And when Martha complains, Jesus says she's chosen what's better, which is a posture of wanting to be dependent at his feet. You know, a lot of the things that we give ourselves to in our lives might not necessarily be needed. But what is needed is to be at the feet of Jesus. So I'll invite the band to come back up just quickly. Maybe Jared uh, and the singers. That's enough. This week when I was praying, and I overprepared knowing that I put the pressure on the team to whip through everything, so that I could preach for 25 minutes to half an hour. And I felt the Lord go, you're distracted. Baptisms is what it's about. Praying for hope tour is needed in this season. Coming to the feet of Jesus as a community, this builds us and this strengthens us. And I, I recently remembered, I was flicking through my phone to... Um, find a photo of Jai when he got his first haircut and I couldn't find it but I came across a video. Uh, many years ago a friend of mine brought uh, us a portable basketball rink and it was a real gift. I remember arriving home and it was in the backyard. I said to Jai, that basketball ring is for you and he goes, it's for me but I have other children so you know what happened next. Kiara leans in and goes, what's for me? They were little. They were very little. So we gave Kiara the ball because Jai already had some. So she goes, oh, I've got the ball. And then a little 18-month-old Lila, Dad, what's for me? And I'm like, uh-oh. So I looked down into the bag and I said, for you is the pump. And I gave her the pump. And you know what she did? She clung to it. And we've got it on video. It's the cutest thing you've ever seen. I love it. <laughs> she wanders off. You bought that ring. 
And as I was praying for our community, I felt what happened is I got, I got this picture that, that as a community, we're holding on to too many things. We, we, we've got Jesus and now we've got busyness. And, and, and we've got Jesus and, and work and Jesus and responsibilities with family and Jesus and with everything. And what's happening is I've got a picture of our community. We're walking around and our hands are too full. Our hands are too full. We're constantly in half focus because there's so many things that are required in your world. And I felt the Lord say to me, as I prayed for you, you were worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. That one thing is to be at the feet of Jesus. So today, my prayer is simple. And the question that I want us to work through together is am I distracted when it comes to being at the feet of Jesus? Because everything in life should build from that place. So when you go home this week, can I ask that you do a few things and let the Holy Spirit move? Here's what I want you to do. I don't care if it's 30 seconds. I don't, if it's longer, wait, that's fantastic. But I want you to actually go to a quiet place without distraction, without technology. Get on your knees practically and get at the feet of Jesus and seek Him. Because in a distracted world, there is one thing that I'm determined will never steal my focus. And that is my focus on Jesus. So could you do that today? That's my prayer is simple. Would you go home? Would you talk to your family and go, hey... How are you this week going to find a place and a space to get to the feet of Jesus? Because one thing is needed. And if we go back to Psalm 27.4, let me read it to you one more time. What's the one thing? He says, one thing, indeed, only one. A lot of commentaries, a lot of theologians say that it can refer back to the fact that what is really needed, the real bread of life, the real food is the relationship you have with Jesus. But I love the way that David says it because he's passionate about Jesus. He says this, one thing, the one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple to seek God and have relationship with Him. If you're going to do that this week, you're going to find time for Jesus. I want to encourage you to stand as we close in prayer. We can sing, this is my desire. The one thing I desire. Isn't it interesting? Chris and I talk regularly but that conversation I had forgotten about, but it's about distraction. Peter getting out of the boat is about taking his eyes off Jesus. We were at dinner last night and someone in the community was uh, petitioning me for a throwback Sunday. And this song that we sang came to my mind. We're going to do a throwback Sunday. Uh, this individual's also asked for themed wearing, go back to the 90s, come in that look. That has my half consent. There are a few people in the room I say no to. You know who you are. You know who you are. That person smiled. There's a particular one. But this is my desire. To honour and worship and be in relationship with you. Do not let 
this culture that we are living in, let the relationship that you have with Jesus be. It's a God that you serve, but a God that you do not know. Because this is the principle of Mary and Martha. I serve faithfully, but I can go into hurt because I've lost contact with the relationship at which I served first to begin with. To be at the feet of Jesus is to make Him the priority and the foundation and the building block from which everything else flows. Jesus is the priority. Jesus is the focus. And that's what we're going to give ourselves to. Amen. So why don't you lift your hands as I pray and then let's sing. Father, I pray that in a world that wants us to rush, in a world that wants to claim our focus, Father, help us be a people that are like Mary. We want to be at your feet, Jesus. We want to give you our undivided attention. We want to practically move things out the way. And not only in a practical sense, but in the sense of our heart. We move things out the way so that you can be focused on, you can be glorified. Because you are worthy. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said, Amen.